You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt, we're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Hopefully, uh, you are all staying sane in this crazy, crazy, crazy time. I'm going to vent here just a little bit. I can go out and drink in my local bar until 10 p.m. I can go out to eat. I can go to grocery stores. I can go to all these different places, right? And I know if we shut everything down, there is this uh, economic uh, problem that we would have. But what really pisses me off is that I can go and do all these things, and in some of these places, masks are still 
somewhat um uh, somewhat, uh, they're not, they're not mandatory, right? So a person doesn't necessarily have to wear a mask, right? Choose what you want to do, right? If you don't want COVID, then stay home. If you, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm getting really frustrated and it all boils down to this, that my kids are not in school. They've closed the school down and they are doing this virtual learning, which is like one hour a day of a teacher on really shitty Zoom connection trying to educate my kids who have no patience and uh, they're they're responsible for sitting in their room doing this paperwork. I am not a teacher, so therefore I you know, like, I don't know how to teach a kid other than, hey, get your head out of your ass and go pick up your shoes. Like, that's how I that's how I parent. So that's also how I educate it, which if I wanted to go to school to be a teacher, I would have went to school to be a teacher. Instead, I do something different. And uh, that's by my choice. But long story short, I'm, I'm just really frustrated that they have shut down the schools when the statistics in the state of Iowa show that COVID isn't running rampant in the schools. It's other places that people are getting it. And I know how diseases work and this and that and this and that. But I really feel right now that the people who are taking the biggest hit in the are, are my kids because they're missing out on this big chunk of education that I cannot. I'm trying to. Me and my wife are really trying to. But I really feel like, ugh, like I'm, I'm frustrated. So luckily my job is kind of kick-ass i get to talk about hunting in the outdoors all day long and uh and that eases me a little bit but then i go back downstairs and i'm asshole dad again so <laughs> it is a good day to be alive though and uh, we have a, a really a cool episode it's a it's a success story it's a bs session but we're going to be talking with a guy out of canada his name is Devin groot and Devin. In the last two years has had some really good luck, but it's not necessarily the kind of luck that I had this year where, you know, you're just walking through the woods, you see a deer and you shoot it. He had, uh, he's, he's put the work in, he's had his boots on the ground, he's done his uh, scouting, he's done his, you know, his preseason prep, and the last two years for him have been something uh, amazing, like a buck in the 190s and then a buck in the 200s this year, and uh, that's very rare for anybody in North America, especially for one guy. So Devin kind of walks us through the strategy he used to kill this buck um, what he did preseason to gain access to this property uh, scouting trail cameras all that stuff so it's a big long story uh, most of it focuses on the deer he shot this year which was a 200 incher and then the the way late into the podcast is when he tells me he shot a 193 the year before so I'm just like blown away that this 22 year old or however early 20s punk kills these two you know these these two giant bucks and uh even in iowa you just don't see those around uh around every tree so uh kudos to devin for getting the job done on two amazing animals and this is that story but before we get into this uh, episode we got to do a commercial and uh, i like doing commercials for companies that have products that are awesome the brand is awesome. They have an awesome warranty, and that really defines Vortex Optics. Now, Vortex is one of those companies who I am really happy to 
support because not only do they give back to conservation, but they also give back to the, the hunting community in a variety of different ways. And they are participants in the community. They're, they're just not a company who's out to make a shit ton of money, which that's what companies do, but they have this, it's almost like a public relations where they have this really good communication with the community. They have this really good relationship with those who are outdoorsmen, whether they use their products or not. And I think that's, that's says a lot about a brand and about a company when they're doing it for the greater good and not necessarily their own pocketbooks. But the cherry on top of all of what I just said is that they do make a really kick-ass line of optics man i have the spotting scopes i have the binoculars i have the range finders i'm not a gun guy per se and i don't have any real experience with the rifle scopes the red dots but my buddies who do say that quality carries over into all of their product lines right and they have product you know they have uh commercials or commercials they have uh products for every you know every price point you want to spend a lot of money they got products for that you want to spend a little bit less money they got products you know for that too so uh really really good optics really good quality um i've been using vortex for a very long time and it's a product that i can you know product line that i and brand that i can really stand behind and uh if you want to find out more information about everything that i just said about vortex visit vortexoptics.com and if you break it or it's damaged or whatever this is their warranty you send it in and they send it back to you free of charge after they fix it. And if they can't fix it, they're going to send you a, a new piece of equipment. So that's badass as well. So there's the commercial Vortex Optics. Go check them out. And uh, here is today's, I'm going to call it like a hunter profile, hunter success story with Devin Groot out of the Great White North of Canada. In three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, all the way from Canada, Mr. Devin Groot. Devin, how we doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing pretty good. And uh, let me ask you a, a quick question. Uh, within the past couple weeks, uh, we've had uh, uh, this this last week, we've had a 200-inch deer uh, guy interviewed on, on the podcast. You just shot a 200-inch deer up in Manitoba, and uh, we're going to interview you um, right off right off the bat. When you found out that this deer that you shot was 200 inches, did did the number 200 mean anything to you? Um, sort of, but not really. Like, I was, like, targeting this deer all year, and, like, I passed up, like, many deer. That would have been, like, the second biggest deer I ever would have shot with my bow. Like, I primarily bow hunted all year until I seen him. Like, I named him Guinness. Well, my neighbor did actually, cause she said that he's going to be a record of some sort. And, uh, so like I was just strictly hunting this deer. And when I walked up to him, like my friend actually videoed his, my friend Dustin Dola, like videotaped the recovery on the deer. And I was, there was a lot of swear words said, like I was just in <laughs> shock. Like it's such a beautiful animal. And I don't know, I was, got super lucky and yeah. I don't know, just all came together, I guess. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this buck in just a little bit, but uh I want to 
I, I don't interview too many people from Canada and, uh, I know you guys have a strong whitetail herd and, and, you know, heritage for hunting whitetails up there and, you know, just being hunters overall. So I kind of want to get the full scoop about you. Um, real, real quick, uh, where in Manitoba do you live and what do you do for a living? Um, I live an hour north of Winnipeg in a town, well, in the country, just outside a town called Gimli. So that's like an hour north of the capital of Manitoba. Okay. And I am currently doing like highway construction. So I'm a heavy equipment operator. Gotcha. But I'm going back to school this winter because I want to get into wildlife management. So. Okay, cool. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I got a buddy who, well, he's an acquaintance, I should say. He lives in northern Wisconsin and every single he's he's in highway construction too and every single year his boss oh he that he's good friends with somewhere around mid-october uh mid to you know the second to third week in october lays him off and so this guy's putting in 80 to 100 hours a week throughout the summer spring early fall and then when october hits this dude goes bananas. Like he hunts every single day. He hunts multiple states. He goes on shed hunts. And then somewhere around March, depending on the weather, he, he goes back to work. But he gets laid off for that you know whole period of time. So he's ha- taken three, three months off or more. And, but he's making all of his money in the other, you know, other time, time of year. So it, is this something that you kind of get excited about getting laid off and getting to hunt a ton during the, the rut and during the hunting seasons? Yeah, for sure. Like our paving season starts in May typically. And it goes this year. I think I got laid off on October 29th or 28th. Like it was early this year. Normally it goes into November, but I had, I had the choice actually if I wanted to get laid off early and I, well, I did cause I wanted to get after this year here. <laughs> So, yeah, 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 we work a lot. It's like 80 hours, 80 to 70 hours a week average, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so Canada is huge, right? Just like the United States. I mean, from from the Atlantic to the Pacific. um, And I'm... I'm I'm not too familiar with Canada as a whole, but I'm assuming that the further east you go, the higher populations, and then the further west you go you start to get, um, you know, sprawled out, uh, less people kind of just like the United States. Um, I know like Ontario, like the province to the east of us here has like a, a lot of people in like the Toronto area and stuff, Yep. but the maritime provinces, I don't believe have as many. And then BC on the far West side has a lot as well, like with Vancouver and Victoria and all those islands out that way i'm honestly not too sure about population i know manitoba is one of the less populated areas okay so so then with that said um is the same thing kind of the the closer you get to the northern i guess the or excuse me the southern border of uh, the southern border of the country uh, along the you know like the north dakota uh the north dakota border is more populated and the further north you go out of those places uh are kind of less populated 
No, yeah, the south is definitely more populated. Like, Winnipeg's just an hour north of the border, like, from North Dakota. And that's, like, the most highly populated place in Manitoba. And if you just go west of it, there's another city called Brandon that I would, I believe is the second biggest city in Manitoba. So like the, the southern part of Manitoba definitely has more people. As you go north, it's, uh, it's a lot of like crown land, which is just like public land and uh, a lot of reserves. And it's just a lot less populated up there, a lot more big like Canadian shield bush and stuff. Yeah. And uh, what's the... What's the wildlife up there? I mean, do you guys have mule deer? Do you have whitetails? Do you have moose, elk? What do you got up there? Uh, we got moose, elk. We have mule deer on, like, the southern, like, southwest part of the province, but they're close to hunting. Like, you can't hunt them. Okay. Um, yeah, we got caribou. Yeah, caribou, moose, elk, whitetail, um, black bear. There's polar bears up north. Okay. Uh, we got a whole lot of everything yeah so your neighbor to the west saskatchewan right like when i was growing up i would hear these stories and, and still to the day you hear these stories about these uh saskatchewan bucks right they're just giant body dark chocolate ant- antlers like big giant white tails uh do you guys have that same kind of thing in manitoba um some people probably get mad that I say this, but I, I think we do. I think it's Manitoba is an underrated province to hunt. I believe Saskatchewan gets so many big deer out of it because they're allowed to hunt over bait, and we're we're not here. Okay. So, so I think that makes a big difference. Like some of the guys I follow from Saskatchewan on Instagram have like a 40, 50 pound pile of like sweet peas and stuff out there, and the deer just come to them. I think that helps with the like just seeing um, like the big deer come out of the province. I know in Manitoba, we have a lot of like Métis harvesters and uh, First Nation harvesters that shoot a lot of big deer every year that don't get recognized by like big game because they don't actually, they have their own like tag system sort of. So that's, so, the, that's the, I, you know, I don't know if this is politically correct now, but the Indians up there, you mean? Yeah, like, they don't need tags to hunt. Like, they, they can hunt for sustenance, which, like, I played on, a like, a hockey team on a reserve, actually. So, like, they'll go out hunting for elk. I know they hunt a lot of elk. And say they shoot, like, one guy will shoot four elk, but he'll, like, feed his whole community with it, sort of. So, like, the elders can uh, eat some food that they can't go out and hunt anymore, sort of thing. Gotcha. So, okay. All yeah. right. So, they shoot a lot of big deer, and it just doesn't get recognized by, like, Manitoba Big Game Association. Okay. It's not harvested under a tag, I guess. Okay. It's not, it's like two separate identities, entities, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So where you, where you spend most of the time hunting, walk us through what the terrain is like. Is it flat farm ground? I mean, do we got hills, mountains? What do we got up there? Um, where I hunt, um, it's pretty much flat. Like there's just, about a mile and a half west of me there's a ridge that runs north south that's probably a 30 40 foot elevation change and i guess that used to be from there used to be a lake here i guess well this is what my parents told me and like that was where the lake would like dip down sort of like so we're on like the like our house is where like the bed of the lake used to be and as you go up the ridge that's like where it would drop down sort of i guess okay so 
it's like like where I am, it's flat. Like there'll be like a few elevation changes over like the farmland, but like only a few feet. Like it's nothing big. It's pretty flat. It's like boreal forest. So there's like spruce, birch, oak trees. There's some plum trees you'll find in the bush. It's like really thick with like open uh, like farmland. Okay. As well, if that makes sense. Yeah. So tell me, uh, I'm 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 looking on a map here. Tell me again. You live close, you live north of Winnipeg, you said? Yeah, about an hour. An hour north of Winnipeg, okay. So um, I, I'm looking I'm looking at the map, and I, I see what you're talking about with those mile section lines, right? So yeah. each uh, each section line is like 640 acres, and, um, and you, uh, what, where do you hunt specifically? I mean, not like, tell me where you hunt, but like, are you hunting farm like a farm an active farm are you hunting like grasslands uh like creek systems coming through with trees um i actually don't have any creeks or anything going through any of the properties i hunt some of it like some of it's just like um agriculture so there'll be like beans and stuff and i'll do my early season hunting lots of times like just off the edge of the beans but where i got my deer this year it was it hadn't been used for the last I don't know, five, 10 years. Like it was an old cattle pasture that had, um, it had some elevation changes. Like there's an Oak Ridge in there that like drops down into a big swamp that comes up on the other side of the Ridge. And it's like a bunch of like, like big timber and it's very nasty and like thick, a lot of underbrush. It's like, it's pretty hard to hunt, but me and my cousins actually, uh, we cleared some trails through the bush this year. Like we cut like a 10 foot, like walking path essentially through the bush that we could hang some stands on like that intersected some trails because the deer would like to cross the road then they would go down into like a slough and they would run the bottom of this ridge and then come up on an oak flat and then down into a big swamp and on the back side of the swamp is like the big bush sort of okay so i hunted along the swamp quite a bit this year so it sounds like the the swamp where the swamp meets the timber creates kind of an edge and that's where the deer really like to kind of travel. Yeah, yeah, they like they go right through the swamp. Me and my cousin actually um bumped some deer out of this there this year like we did like a power scouting thing cuz we weren't really 100% sure how they were using it up into the swamp. So we went through there and we bumped out like two or three bucks. And then that just gave us info we needed kind of then hunted around that area. Gotcha. All right. So as far as, you know, Winnipeg is a big town. You live an hour north of there. Is there a lot of hunting pressure in the area that you hunt? I mean, I have a feeling that during rifle season, you know, there's going to be more people. But as far as bow hunting is concerned, um, is there a lot of pressure on the public or on the, uh, the private ground that I guess is available in your area? Um, I'm not, I can't vouch for the public land cause I don't have to hunt any public land around my place, but the archery season is like, it's me and my cousin that I know of that hunt all the properties we hunt and maybe another guy. And there's like no pressure essentially for archery season. And that starts August 31st and, goes all the way through general because you can use your bow like through the muzzleloader season and the general rifle season here so 
So, so you can until, use you can use your bow during the rifle season. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what's the what's the tag allocation up there? Are you guys allowed multiple bucks? Are you allowed one buck? What's the deal? Um, it changes year to year. This year, we were allowed we get one tag. It's just a general tag, and it's a buck or a doe tag. And for like my zone, like so, Manitoba is broken up into like different hunting zones that are just numbered. And uh, like for my zone, it was just one tag buck or a doe. But there's a few in the province where you could buy like a second and a third doe tag. Okay. In different areas, but not where I'm hunting. Okay. So that tells me right now that the area that you hunt has somewhat of a low, this is a, a straight guess, a low, low numbers of deer. Um, I think, I honestly think that Manitoba just, I don't know if they don't have the resources, but I don't think they manage their deer herds as well as they could, or maybe not enough money goes into it because my girlfriend actually, her dad owns like a pretty big cattle and grain farm, like two hours North of me. And when I go out there, I think in about a 20, we were just looking for deer. We went for a drive one night and we've seen 40, 40 some deer maybe in 20 minutes of driving and like three bucks. So there's just like, there's way too many does out there. Okay. And there's, you just can only get one tag and no one out there shoots does. So the problem just keeps getting worse. Okay. So this is a, this is a common theme across, you know, states like Michigan and uh, you know, some other high pressured states where um, people don't want to shoot does. Everybody wants a buck. And so everybody's going to shoot small bucks, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, That's so the, the quantity of deer is there, but the quality typically isn't. Um, I think it's very like it depends like where you are. Like I hunt from what I can tell, like a really good area for deer. Like I have nice big mature deer every year that I can go after, whereas some of my friends might have one. I think I had four or five deer over the 150 inch mark this year, which is the most I've ever had. But I think just the area I have might not have as much hunting pressure as as others, other than road hunting is a terrible, like terrible thing around here. People just drive around and shoot deer off the road, but. So poach. Yeah. Poach. Yeah. Okay. So what's, uh, I know in some States, if you do not have your, uh, property posted like no hunting then it's it's legal for people to go and hunt your property okay there's certain places like that what's uh what's it like in in canada or in manitoba uh is is it kind of if you want people off your land you have to uh you have to post it is it hard to get permission to hunt i mean is the is there a lot of hunters compared to other areas, I guess, other parts of Canada? Um, I'm not familiar with the other hunting, like how it is in other parts of Canada, but for me to get permission, I've had some like good success. I just go up to, like I knock on doors and just ask and be polite and then just offer, like ask them if they want any wild meat or like we have chickens here. So I ask if they want eggs and stuff. And it usually like the, they usually say, yeah, some people say no, cause they don't like hunting, but that's life right 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 okay so it's pretty, yeah it's pretty easy like i've had a good, easy time getting 
permission out here. Gotcha. Myself. Gotcha. So you're running into good quality deer. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so let's talk a little bit of, let's kind of transition into this, uh, this buck that you shot this year. And, uh, you were telling me before we started recording that you've only had access to, or you gained access to this property last year. Um, what I want to know is how did you know that you wanted to knock on this landowner's door and try to get permission on these properties? Uh, did you do any scouting? Uh, what, uh, what led you to some of these properties? Well, I think it would have been four years ago, maybe now, like in the, like we get quite a bit of snow out here sometimes. And one winter there was a lot of snow and I just seen a lot of like trails crossing the road. Like it looked like a cattle trail going into this property. And it's like, like off of the road, it's this old cattle pasture. So it's, it looks like a CRP field, I guess, with like a swamp on the southeast corner of it and like the big heavy timber, like right off the back of that. And so I just assumed the deer were like bedding in and around the swamp. And I looked it up on the landowner's map and my dad actually knows the owners of it. Like they go to the same church as our family does. So I just called the guy and asked if he mind if I hunted there. And he said that it wouldn't be an issue. And then, I hunted it, I guess it would have been four years ago, last year, I or three years ago, I took a year off, and then we called back again last year, it would have been, and he let us hunt, and it's just, I've given him meat every year after um, the season was over, and we just have a good relationship gotcha. with the landowner. Okay, so you ended up on, on the property where you killed your buck this year. You had access to it, then you stopped hunting for a while, and then last year you came back and asked for permission again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. All right. So, you know, once you gained access to this property for the second time, um, what, what time of year was that, and then what did you do to, you know, prepare for the upcoming, I guess, season? Okay. Well, last year I shot my buck like a day or two after I got laid off because I didn't get laid off until like into November last year. So I shot my, I was done like pretty early hunting, but my cousin still had to go. So we did like a quick scout through the property during season because we didn't really know what was going on. And then like me being laid off, I have all the time in the world to do my hunting stuff right now. So I just like hung a stand on like there's like last year the trails were old and grown in like someone cleared trails through this bush like 10 years ago maybe so you could like walk through it but there was like trees every like small saplings i guess everywhere and it was difficult but i found a pretty heavy trail that like cut through the old trail and uh i hung a stand there for my cousin and he ended up shooting a pretty nice non-typical there last year then this spring we uh we just like gridded the whole property and like found out the trails the deer were using where they were bedding and then we cleared out all the old cut trails actually so that uh like there's a bunch of new growth like it was only weeds and stuff that was coming up but the deer were eating like eating the new growth that was coming up in the trails that we cut through there so we just adjusted the stand that we had set up last year that'd be a little better for bow and 
And that was that. I, I did most of my hunting, like, hanging hunting this year because I heard, like, you do a lot of it. I listened to the Wired to Hunt podcast, and it's all talking about mobile now. So yep. that's mostly what I did this year. Okay. I would just take a stand, set it up, take it down, and adjust. Gotcha. At, like, from what you see, sort of. Okay. So as far as uh, the buck that we're talking about uh, this year, um, last year when you gained access, did you hang any trail cameras? Uh, did did any good deer show up on camera? Um, do you, I guess, do you even run trail cameras? Yeah, I think I have about 10 or 11 out right now. Okay. So, so what's the story that, with that? that piece, on that piece specifically, I had, like, right off the road, there's, like, a drainage ditch off of the gravel road that like the deer go through and it's like all bulrushes and you can like see where they're going. Cause it's like someone took a weed eater and just sawed a trail for them because they're taking it so much. So I just followed that last year and I hung it at the bot, like just off the edge of a swamp, like on the bottom of a ridge and the deer like use that to go between two bedding areas, like the bedding area on the other side of the road and the one behind the swamp and the thick timber, like they're using it, going north south so we hung a camera there last year and found out like all these different bucks are using it during the daytime to get to the other bedding area because it's just like a small strip of trees next to a swamp so that they're in cover the whole time and i guess they feel safe traveling in the daylight so we set up a camera there and then a camera off a trail right next to uh where that tree stand was that we had set up and we had a bunch of we had a four and a half year old six pointer i guess he's a three by three and he's like he's massive this year he's five and a half and he's huge but nothing much for antlers and uh we had like quite a bit of mature deer using that uh i guess it's like a funnel because they funnel down in there to the next uh bedding area so we set up a camera there and had some stands set up like to try and catch them in middays going between bedding areas okay so that was that was last year, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, that was last year. All right. So that's when this buck showed up. Yeah. Okay. And he We did, had him on two or three cameras like about a mile apart from each other. Okay. So they were covering some decent ground. Yeah, the deer like typical like the deer I shot last year from where I shot him to where um my other people I know were getting pictures of them were like four miles away. I think like they're moving pretty good during the rut out here to find does. Okay. So they, uh, they cover a lot of ground. Um, and once you saw this deer on camera, was he instantly on your hit list? I mean, did he, did he have defined characteristics? I mean, was he a crazy non-typical like he was this year? Um, no, he wasn't actually that like, crazy of a non-typical he was a five i think he was a mainframe five but he had two points on either side that almost came off it was almost like a split but right off of the like main beam they came off like um like a prong kind of if that makes sense yeah so instead of just being one point there was one right beside it like stacked almost next to each other so he, he was an eight by seven i think last year probably like just for a reference, probably a high one sixties or one seventy class deer. Okay. But he looked tiny, like he was small. I was like, this 
this deer has a huge rack and he's probably only a four and a half year old. Okay. Cause I'm thinking he was five and a half this year. Gotcha. So he was, he was young. Like you or I shouldn't say young. I mean, he, he's a four year old, which is good, but you could tell that like almost like he had a young rack. It was a big rack, but not fully developed. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like, he was definitely, like, I was like, this is this young deer with, like, really good potential. Yeah. And by the time I got pictures of him, I was tagged out already last year. Okay. So what so about what about your cousin? Him. Yeah, my cousin, like, we didn't actually get really good pictures of him until after the season when we realized, like, okay, this deer is a lot bigger than we thought. Lots of them. Like, I have some old stealth cams that are, like, just cheap from when I was, like, so they're probably eight, nine years old. So, like, when the deer are moving, it's just blurry, so it was kind of hard to tell how big he was until we set up some, like, better cameras on that property after season, and we got some, like, real good shots of him. So, like, we knew he was there, but we didn't actually know how, like, how good of a deer he was. Okay. So, did anybody have any encounters with him? Did any neighbors know about him uh, that last year? that not well one of my neighbors had pictures of him as well um i think it was a mile and a half away from where we were getting pictures of him okay but that was the only person i knew about knowing of this deer last year gotcha all right so he ends up uh he ends up making it through obviously did anybody find his sheds no me and my cousin looked for many hours like where (laughs) he was we had pictures of him until february and we did not find anything okay all right, so no uh, no sheds. Um, you didn't know if you made it through any type of gun season or whatnot. This year, when was the first picture that you got of him? I think it was on October 25th. At It was at like 1 o'clock in the, a spot I never thought he, he would be. It was like middle of the day, October 25th, just. I was like, wow. Okay. I was in shock. He he was huge. All right. So here's the deal. This is crazy because you lost, you lost track of him at some point in 2019, 2020, the whole summer. I mean, did you put out any cameras? Did you hang any tree stands specifically for this buck on the properties that you had access to? Yeah, we had cameras though. Like me and my cousin do a lot of our hunting together. And I think we had cameras out starting in June already. And we had a lot of nice bucks, but, like, none of them that I thought were him. Like, I have a feeling he summered in town, like, like in a town that's close to me where you can't rifle hunt. It's bow and muzzleloader only. Okay. So I think he was, like, right in, like, residential areas. That's why I think that we didn't get pictures of him all summer. Okay. So how far, are that, how far is that away from where you hunt? Uh, two, three miles, two or three miles. Okay. So he, yeah. he, you feel like he covered some distance during the summer and, and then comes back into the area into the fall. Yeah. I think he like stayed in that residential spot for summer because we never got any pictures of him at all until like the same time each year, the last two years. So I think he was coming like from the East across the highway that like kind of divides the two, like where you can rifle hunt and where you can't. Gotcha. And I think he was doing most of his rutting activity 
where we hunt here. Okay. All right. So then, um, did you guys going into like knowing that going into the season and knowing that that buck may not show up until late October, did you think he was dead? Did you think he was a no show or did you just have this gut feeling like, Hey man, he's going to show back up. Well, I knew he survived the hunting season because the last picture I had of him was like February 2nd or something, 2020, like with antlers on. So I knew he survived the hunting season and I had a pretty strong feeling he was going to show up in October because that's like, that's when he showed up the previous year. And they're pretty like, I had a feeling he was going to follow his like annual pattern kind of thing. Gotcha. So you had this, you had this gut feeling going into this bow season this hunting season did you have any other deer on camera that interested you enough to pass on or or i guess that you would shoot and not worry about this big one there was one other deer he was uh like a typical 10 and he was probably in the 170 class just like the biggest typical i've had on camera for a few years and he caught my eye, but he, well, where I was getting pictures of him, someone stole my trail camera this year. Damn, man. So that was the first time, like, on private property. It's, like, kind of on a, one of the other neighbor's property lines. But when I talked to that neighbor, because he's let me hunt his property in the past, he said that he had a few cameras stolen as well, like, from right from the same area. So I'm not sure if someone was trespassing, walked by, seen that they're on camera and took it or if it was like another neighbor that didn't want me getting pictures of this big deer i have no idea but either either way it was either way your trail camera was gone yeah yeah and so i didn't put anything back up there and then i i believe um my neighbor's friend actually ended up shooting that deer this year okay so the day i shot mine so i'm I, I think I'm not positive though. Okay. So when well, did, when did you get laid off from work? Um, I think it was October 28th. It was before Halloween. Okay. I so think it would have been all right, Friday so, or the Thursday before Halloween. Okay. So it's pretty much through the entire month of October. Did you hunt it all in October for this buck? Blindly. No, because he, not he didn't show no, up not really no okay all right no yeah i i maybe sat a few times but like just on like sit on the edge of the field with my girlfriend just kind of watch deer almost sort of thing gotcha okay so when did you start making big moves on this deer um after i after i got the picture of him where he was on the 25th um he was in like a small cut between two uh smaller chunks of bush that the does love for some reason like they're two tiny chunks of bush with a small cut in between it and then the cut kind of opens up into like long marshy grass kind of okay so like he was crossing up like the smallest point between the two chunks of bush and i went in there one morning like pitch black never hung a stand in there before and i hung a stand with my bow like where like right off the back side of the trail that he was coming just downwind of where he he should be coming from i ended up seeing i think i seen two or three does and 130 class five by five all right but i never actually seen him for for quite some time 
Okay. So, so then you, you were, you started this process, right? What kind of strategy and tactics were you going to put in place during the archery season to try to get a shot at him? Like what was your routine or what were, what was your plan? Well, I thought that he was like back to that travel corridor where the bucks were going like down the, on the bottom side of the ridge between like the two swamps. Like this is on a different piece. That's where I thought I would have like my best chance at him. But none of the trees like along this ridge are like very big. So I sat a few times that it was basically like, I'm going to shoot this deer. I'm not going to see anything kind of like on the trail that he would take specifically. We wouldn't really get any other deer other than him on this one small trail. So I hung a stand there a few times, but it seemed like every time I would go to one property, he would show up on the other one. And I couldn't like pinpoint his, like where he was at certain times. Gotcha. So he, you were kind of bouncing back and forth, like trying to figure out what property he was using the most. But every time you went to one property, he was back on the other. So it sounds like he was covering quite a, a good chunk of ground on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, one of the neighbors actually seen him. Like I only saw this deer twice ever in person. Um, but one, some of my neighbors were seeing him a lot. And like from the two places I would get pictures of him, like it was like a mile in a straight line from one spot to the other. And then I know he went a mile and a half North of that. Like he had a big square loop that he was running uh, probably a total of like six miles, maybe like he was, yeah, he was traveling pretty far. So it was hard to like pinpoint him because he wasn't staying on one piece very often gotcha and uh were any of your uh cameras cell cams yeah i actually bought two tactic cams this year and uh and, did uh, did those did those cameras help you get a better idea of where he was going at all or where he was coming from yeah they, they helped a lot actually like i liked how you could get like some real-time photos so one night i was at my friends we were playing cards and i got a picture of um on the far southwest part of the property, like where we hung one of our stands. And then about 45 minutes later, I had him on the bottom of that ridge crossing the road. Yeah, so 45 minutes later. So like it was made it a lot easier to like pinpoint where they were going and how long it was taking them to travel, like the route they were going. So that that helped a lot. Gotcha. Um, And did that cell cam at all I guess, play a role in you actually harvesting him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Okay. All right. Um, now when, as this archery season, you know, starts rocking and rolling and we start, is the rut up there the same time as down here in Iowa, like the first two weeks, of November, like right now type of type of time frame? Um, I know like, are you talking like lockdown or like the seeking where they're like chasing a lot? Just the breeding season, like down in oh, okay. down in the southern United States, we have some places that you know they're going to start in December, even into January. Yeah, um, well, the seeking, like where the bucks are chasing the like my favorite time to hunt where I am is like the last week of October and the first week of November. It seems like you have the most bucks on their feet looking for does, and then the second week in November, like. The week I shot my deer, that was probably the hardest week I've ever hunted. I didn't see a deer for 
25 hours maybe okay. like they just lock down and they <laughs> you don't see them for a while they just stop moving gotcha and and then you you said you saw him two times before you eventually yeah. shot him uh was the first time one during time your one time before you shot him yeah was that during the archery season at all or was that into the gun season it was the day before so our gun season started on i believe it was november 9th this year okay it was either the 9th or 10th and the first time i seen him was on the 12th and i wasn't actually hunting like i had a bad wind for where i wanted to hunt him so I didn't, I just didn't sit because I knew he was in an area based on what, where my neighbor had seen him the night before. So I just went for a drive in my truck and I was just looking for him like early in the morning and he actually crossed the road in front of me, chasing a doe out of a piece of property that I have permission on, like where I had the picture of him on the 25th of October. Okay. So he like crossed out of that farm, chasing a doe, went across the road went on to another 80-acre piece that's just, I think it was wheat this year that was just tilled under and just chased the doe into the bush on the, like, on the edge of that 80. And I had permission on the tilled field and where he came from. So I went home. I think I seen him at, like, 9.30. I grabbed my gun, and I, because I didn't want to miss a chance at a, like, that was the first time I used my gun all year. But I brought it, because if I had a 200-inch deer at, I don't know, 80 yards, I, I would be shooting myself in the foot if I brought my bow because that doesn't happen very often around here. Right, right. So the first talk, uh, walk us through that first encounter. Like, did you make a move specifically for him uh, in that spot? Did you know he was in the area at all? Or was this just kind of a, man, I hope he shows up type of deal? Like the day I shot him or the first time I seen them there driving? Yeah, the first time you, well, so you were just driving. When you saw when you yeah, saw him I was the just first looking time, looking for him. Oh, yeah, okay. I, have, I was sitting in my pajamas looking for him. Okay. Just to like get a game plan for the evening because the wind was bad for where he came out of. Like I wouldn't have been able to hunt him there that day. Gotcha. So then just the next, the so then the next day is when you saw him the second time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you you mentioned earlier that cell cams played a big part in that. I take it you got a you got a picture of him sent to you that confirmed that he was in this area. Yeah. So like after he ran across the road and into the field, like I knew he was in a, like he was in an 80 acre bush with this doe that I couldn't, I could hunt all around this 80 acre piece and like the 640 acres. So I called my neighbor who lets me hunt there and like I've hunted there in the past. But when I called him this time, he said that he, he was going after that deer this year. So, like, he's like, I don't want to say no. Like, you can't go back there. But so I said, oh, that's fine. Like, I don't want to, like, overstep, right? So I just right. went and sat on the edge of the bush that he ran into. Because, like, on that corner, I could hunt the field that he ran through to get there. I could hunt the field to the west that was in beans, I think, this year. But it was tilled already. So I just sat, I sat there for seven hours and just froze and hoped that that doe would like circle back and try and come back to where she went. But I, that was my only shot because I knew where the deer was that I wanted to hunt, but I couldn't, I couldn't get there. Okay. All right. So you knew where he was at. It's time to go and hunt and make a move on that, uh, that next night you figured out 
kind of the game plan of he was with a doe, he was in some thick bush, you couldn't hunt that that property, you knew the properties that you had access to. From walk us through from the time that you left your your truck until you pulled the trigger on this buck. Okay, yeah. So the next morning I woke up and my plan, like my thinking was hopefully that doe, because I think that doe was a part of, it was like a family group of like four that lived on the property that he chased her out of. So I was hoping that she would come back there overnight and he would follow her, like that he wasn't done breeding her yet. So I went and set up on that property and I, I brought my rifle for the second time all year because I, I didn't want to, the deer was huge. Like I was at a loss for words and I didn't want to miss a chance at him because I brought my bow. So I was sitting a fence line, like just on the ground. Um, it was like a small cut between the two bushes on the two properties that I can hunt there. Okay. So I just sat down on the fence post. I got out there a little like later than I wanted to. Like I was sitting down just as shooting light was coming and I was sitting there for about 10 minutes or so. And then the fence, like, cause I was sitting up on a fence post and the fence kind of rattled right to the right of me. And I like turned and there's like a 140 class five pointer standing at me at like 20 yards, just broadside. Didn't know I was there. And I was just, like that deer would have been the second biggest deer, I guess I ever would have shot. But I told myself that I'm not shooting a deer unless it's Guinness this year. So eventually that buck seen me and like, was like doing the head bob thing. Like it would pretend it would eat and then try and get me to flinch kind of. And after about five minutes of it doing that, I kind of just walked away into the old hay field that was on the other side of the cut. So I was just sitting there and I decided that I was going to, like, I have a black rack, so I just decided I was going to rattle the antlers a bit, and I crossed them together, like, as loud, as hard as I could for probably a solid five minutes, and then I put them down and got my gun ready. And so just beside me, like, behind me on this fence post I'm sitting on, it's, like, really thick bush with, like, a trail that runs parallel to the fence that the other buck took, and then they hop the fence and go into the other property that I can also hunt. And I heard a snap behind me and I turned and I've never seen this buck before, but he was like, he got my heart going. And I told myself, if I get excited, I'm going to shoot the deer because that's the whole point of hunting is to enjoy your time out there. And it was just a big, heavy, typical five. I estimated him. He was like five and a half years old, probably. I've never had a picture of him. And he's probably in the 160 class. And my heart just started racing. And the wind was blowing south, like from the south. And he was just about to walk like straight downwind of me at like 10 yards in the bush. And he had no idea I was there. And I turned slowly because I was going to shoot this deer. I was like, this is a this is a big mature deer. And I would be very happy if I shot him. So I turned slowly to shoot him. And I bumped my grunt to. And it made an absurd amount of noise. And the deer <laughs> kind of like looked in my direction. And he was like 10 yards away. There was, like, some small brush, but nothing, like, big enough to stop, like, my gun from 10 yards. And he looked in my direction and kind of hopped away. Like, he didn't put his tail up. He didn't blow. He just heard something he didn't like and took off. So I was like, oh, that's, like, that sucks. Like, the bush he's in is probably only an acre or two. Like, it's really small. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And I, like, after, like, a couple minutes of him taking off, I, like, pulled out my phone. And I had a, I had a text from my cell cam and I opened up 
my cell, like the picture, and it was a picture of Guinness. And he, like 15 minutes ago from when I opened it, he was like right at the bottom of that ridge going into the swamp. And I, I, I just stood up. That buck was, the buck I just tried shooting was probably 30 yards from me. It started blowing at me. I just walked away. I just walked to my truck and drove to the other property. And what time of day was this when all this was going down? Ooh, it was like, it was pretty windy. I think the winds were like 45 kilometers an hour out of the south. So it was like a windier day. And it was super cold. Like, I think it was minus 15 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit. But, it, like, the temperature dropped, like, maybe 10 degrees Celsius overnight. So, it, looked, it was, like, super cold that morning compared to the the day before. And uh, so I, I walked to my truck. That buck just started blowing at me. And I, I couldn't care less about it at this point because I just got a picture of Guinness on the other property. Yeah. So, I went to the camera that got the picture of him and I was there I think 28 minutes after him and I know like so the farmer actually or the landowner rented out this farm to a farmer who put cattle in it this year so I think that may be why some of the movement was down earlier in September and October okay like until the cattle got pulled out but what the farmer did do that ended up helping a lot is he cleared like he had to clear a trail around the through the bush to fence it so there was a cut line that went right through the bush and then like an l shape across the property and so i like instead of like going through the swamp where guinness went i decided i'd go around the whole thing like i was walking into the wind i was walking south the whole time and then i went back on the cut because i could see like 200 yards either way down it and i was hoping that he would come through like they normally do and cross the cut into the neighboring property. So I sat down on the cut line. Um, I sat there for 10 minutes and then, sorry. And then I decided I would rattle again because I just rattled in a nice mature deer, probably the biggest deer I've ever rattled in in my life. So I rattled a bit and I was sitting there and I was sitting right upwind. Like my wind was blowing right into where the buck bed like where i told you me and my cousin bumped them out of on purpose before and my wind was blowing directly into the buck bedding area and i'm like what am i doing i'm just wrecking this for my evening hunt and i know the deer's here so like i started walking slowly i was going to sit a big there's a big scrape line um down one of the trails me and my cousin cleared out so i was going to sit on the end of the trail so i could shoot like 100 yards down the cut line and hope that he would come and check the scrape looking for a doe because he wasn't with his doe anymore. And as I was walking down this trail that me and my cousin cut out, so like the one the farmer cleared out connected to the one me and my cousin cleared out. So I like turned right and the trail that we have slightly veers off to the left, like ever slight, so slightly. And as I'm walking down, they're just slowly listening. I heard like bat, bat, bat. And there I turned to my left. And there's a buck chasing a doe, like she's running for her life, crashing through the bush, like 10 yards beside me. And they have no idea I'm there. So like I turned around because I'm like on the curve of this trail that we cut out and I got so I could see straight again. And the doe rips through the 10 foot trail me and my cousin cut out and the buck stops right at the edge and looks at me. And my gun was loaded because I was just like still hunting through the bush. And the buck's looking at me, and all I could see was, like, his neck. And in the past, we, me and my dad have shot deer in the neck. They just 
with rifles and they just drop like a sack of potatoes and there's like no tracking essentially. So I, this was like a big deer. I was full of adrenaline. I'm not a hundred percent sure what deer it was. I just knew it was like a big mature shooter. And I put my cross hairs like right where his neck meets his shoulder and I pulled the trigger and my gun went click. And I was, I was like, what just happened? Like I knew my gun was loaded. I've never had a dud in my entire life hunting, like with a rifle. I've never had a bullet not shoot. And this bullet, for whatever reason, decided it wasn't going to fire today. And the buck looked at me. I ran, ran straight across the trail following the doe. And I was like, kind of like let down. I was like, what just happened? So like I cycled through because I was kind of like doubting that I had the gun loaded even though I was positive that I did like doubt started to creep into my mind. And so I cycle it through, it goes flying out into the trail and I put a new bullet in and then I hear crashing to my, like right beside me again. And I look over and all I seen was big drop tide and like Guinness was chasing those deer that just ran through the trail. And he like ran through the trail, chasing the doe at like 15 yards, I believe. And I just shot him on the run. Like right in front of me. Wow. So you were going to shoot that other buck that was following that doe, yeah. right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. what What happened to this, this it's Guinness or nothing? Like did it's Guinness or nothing. Oh. And then, yeah. Well, my, I like told myself I don't, like I was getting stressed out hunting for this deer because like I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. I'm very competitive and like hunting is like, I can compete with myself sort of thing and the deer. And I don't know, I was full of adrenaline and this deer was, it would have been the second biggest deer I had ever shot. And like, I would have been more than happy with it. And it, uh, my gun just didn't shoot. It just says, no, you're not allowed to shoot this deer. And I don't, I don't know what happened, but <laughs> this is crazy. So a, a a weapon malfunction or a bullet or whatever saved a giant deer's life so that another giant deer could run through and get shot. Yeah, like less than a minute later. Man. <laughs> Do you think you got maybe a little bit lucky? <laughs> oh, I know I got lucky. <laughs> Dang, dude. All right, so you shot him. Did you watch him go down or was there a little period there where you're like, oh man, like what happened? Did you know it was a good hit? No. Oh yeah. He was like 15 yards away. Like I could see his like shoulder, like just behind it, like, like, like flinch almost. Like you could see his sway and I could, I seen like the blood like shoot out from behind, on the other side from behind him. Like I knew I smoked him and he just ran into like, cause they were in super thick bush like that. You probably can't hunt. And the only way I would have got a shot is for them to run through that trail that we cleared. Okay. And then I smoked him and he ran through into the other, like going back towards that uh, swamp that they bed in. Like he was just heading straight that way. And I just, I lost my mind after I shot him. And did, did you watch him go down? No, like the bush is too thick. You can't see 10 yards into it. Okay. All right. So you didn't see him go down, but you were very confident with the shot. Yeah, super confident. Okay. So after you shot him, how much time did you give him? Did you call anybody? Did What did you do? Did you wait for someone to come recover him, or did you go by yourself? Um. Well, 
my friend Dustin, like I have a friend in Dustin Dola. He just moved like down the road from me and he has like an outdoor page and they film and all their hunts and stuff. And he said that if I shot Guinness, but only Guinness, he would leave his tree stand and come take pictures and film and stuff. So I, I just called him and I was like, he's like, did you mean to call me? I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, uh, everything okay? I was like, I just shot the deer. He's like, okay, I'm coming. So yeah, my friend Dustin came down and filmed the recovery and took a bunch of amazing pictures for me. That's awesome, and, man. Like we, we went to the hit site and there, there was pretty good like blood where I hit him. Um, and it had bubbles in it. So I was like, I checked that before I called him. So I was confident I hit him in the lungs. And then once he got there, we were following it and it would be like pretty good blood. And then it'd be like a drop of blood on a leaf. And I was like, no. And then it would be like nothing for a little while, but we could see where he like kicked up the leaves and like, there's a little bit of snow on the ground. So we were just following his tracks basically. And then it would be like a tiny bit of blood. And I, I, my heart just started sinking. I was like, did I mess this up? And then there was like a big smear of blood on another birch tree. And then it'd be like a drop. And then the, the blood started getting fresher because we waited 40 minutes before we went to look for him. So like some of the blood was frozen already. And then as it got fresher, I got like excited and I did a big like loop around like because we weren't walking on the trail. We didn't want to lose any of the blood. And I did a big loop around. And as I came, the trail went through a whole bunch of willows. And as I came around the other side of them, I like looked over to my right. He was just laying there like five yards from me. And I just, I lost my mind. A lot of yelling and swearing. <laughs> um, so as you walk up and you put your hands on this, this very rare animal for the first time, what was going through your head? I just, he, he was like magnificent, such a beautiful animal. Didn't see him. I seen him twice in my whole life. Once was driving a vehicle, which hardly counts because I wasn't hunting. And the second time, I just, my gun didn't fire. I tried shooting 160 class deer before it. Like, just a whole bunch of weird events happened. Like, like why didn't, I don't know why, still, I don't know why my bullet didn't fire on the first year. Like, That's crazy, I was just in disbelief that it actually happened. That's crazy, man. All right, so you, you pick up, you pick up his, his antlers and you know, it's a, a, a giant. Um, I don't even know what else to, to say, dude. I mean, it's like you said, it's a magnificent animal. Um, what did, uh, what did some of your friends and family say about it? Uh, that I have a horseshoe up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a way. That yeah. Was- I mean, the, the, well, there's strategy involved, I think, because you had a trail camera out and that trail camera was in a good enough spot to where it allowed you to get some intel on this um, on this animal. You made you made the decision to leave where you were at, loop around and go back to a different part of the farm. And even though there was some luck involved, you still put yourself into the right position so that when he did come by, you were able to get a shot at him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that I feel like I did that earned it is I knew how they like traveled the property. So I like knew where he was heading for the most part, but for my gun not to shoot on this gear, like that's just, that's just luck. And that camera that I got a picture of him on, I actually moved there two days ago. Like 
uh, two days prior because I figured where it was before I didn't have as good of a chance of getting them there in daylight. So I moved, I moved it there like a day or two before I got a picture of them there too. So, man, well, that was, Devin, man, congratulations on a, on a one of a kind animal. Congratulations. And, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, the quality of deer on the farms that you hunt, but that one might be hard to beat. Yeah, that, well, I was told, I shot a very nice deer last year and I was told that I shot 193 inch. Oh, Jesus, uh, dude. Five. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You do have a horseshoe up your ass. Are you kidding yeah, me? You shot so, a 193 last year? Yeah. And a yeah, 200 and what? How much did this, how much did uh, well, this deer score out? This deer hasn't been scored yet because the guy who does it for like Manitoba Big Game Association is in isolation right now. Okay. So it'll be scored at the beginning of the next week. But I had a few people come and take a look at it. Like one guy I made friends with this year. He used to be the president of the Manitoba Big Game, and he wrote for a bunch of different outdoor magazines. And he figured it will go about 210, 215. So you got a 210, you got a 193. Um, before your 193, what was the biggest deer you ever shot? Um, well, last year, like, you're only allowed shooting one deer in Manitoba with a tag, but you can party hunt, which I, I think it's different than what you consider party hunting in the states so essentially me and my brother say we both have a license we can sign the back of each other's licenses and put our license number down and go out hunting together but we have to be within like like we have to see each other basically yeah so that either of us can shoot one and either of us could tag it it didn't matter whose tag it was yep so i shot a hundred and it was a three and a half year old 123 inch eight pointer last year that was my biggest deer that was with my bow and that was and like that, that was, was the biggest deer you've ever shot previous yeah 123 <laughs> i'm laughing because i'm happy for you that's crazy dude um so yeah. so you got two giant deer under your belt how old are you i just want to know i'm 22 22 you fucking punk <laughs> and i say that with all i say that with all due respect uh <laughs> that's crazy dude well hey man i'm happy for you congratulations and I, I i take it this has done nothing but fuel the fire uh for your passion for hunting oh yeah well i started hunting like young like i would go sit out with my dad when i was like nine i think i started going out and then you're not allowed getting your hunter safety here till you're 12 but I, I shot my first deer when I was 11 Okay. with my dad. I nice. guess that would be illegal, but nice. Um, yeah. And then I've been going ever since. And then two years ago, I found the wire to hunt podcast and that's where I started hearing of you. I started when the season started like in 2015 or 2014. And yeah, I've been listening to your podcast and the wire to hunt podcast for the last two years. Cause I sit on a machine all day for 15 hours a day. And that's all I do is listen to deer hunting. So right. You helped a lot more than, more than, you know, the information you share helps a lot. Well, I appreciate that, man. And, uh, congratulations again. And it sounds like with, uh, this story and what you've told us, you have other deer already staged for next year. Yeah. There's a few good ones around still that will hopefully, uh, make it through the rest of the rifle season here and they should turn out pretty nice for next year if they survive. 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Devin, uh, not only for slaying two giants in the last two years, but for coming on the podcast and sharing that story with us. I I say this all the time and I mean it all the time. Dudes and dudettes, man, can, like your success means a lot to me. So please share your success with me. And thank you very much for, you know, listening to the Sportsman's Nation and listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles, man. Um, uh, words just really can't express right now how grateful I am for each and every one of you, right? Because each and every one of you, uh, like you listen, you communicate with me, um, you know, the, the messages, I love all that stuff. So thank you very much. Huge shout out to all the partners, right? They, long story short, these dudes pay me money. It allows me to put out this badass content and, you know, stimulate your eardrums while I'm able to, you know, live this lifestyle and, you know, feed my family off of this as well. So it's a win-win for everybody. A uh, huge shout out to the average conservationist, Vortex Optics, Ozonics, Wasp, and Lone Wolf portable tree stands. Guys, every company that I just mentioned right there is badass and they make badass products that have a high functionality level in the woods. So please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast. Last but not least, please follow on social Instagram, subscribe to the nine finger Chronicles, man. Um, I want to make this community bigger. And the way to do that is through you sharing my stuff and us communicating. So uh, do that. And last but not least, man, be safe. There's still a lot of time in the hunting season, especially if you live down south. So get out there, get time in the tree stand, whether it's with a gun, a bow, a harpoon, whatever is legal in your state, please go out and just go hunt, man. Don't worry about all the other bulls bullshit that you know kind of comes with the social media and and people this is you who makes the decisions you need to go out there and experience mother nature and hunt like you want to hunt and have a blast man that's what it's all about thank you very much for tuning in be safe and we'll talk to you next time